I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. episode, you'll discover what every entrepreneur should know about success, the three ways entrepreneurs limit themselves, what you can do to create breakthroughs in your business, and much more with Joe Polish, Damon John, and Jay Abraham. Damon John is an entrepreneur, investor, and TV personality, best known as the founder, president, and CEO of FUBU. He also appears as an investor on the ABC reality television series, Shark Tank. Jay Abraham is founder and CEO of Abraham Group. Jay has spent his entire career solving problems and fixing businesses. He has significantly increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients in more than 400 industries and over 7,200 sub-industries worldwide. If you would like access to the full presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash power. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash power. Hello, this is Joe Polish, and welcome to a special episode of I Love Marketing. What I've decided to do here is share with all of our I Love Marketing listeners a interview that I did with Damon John, who you know from Shark Tank, and Jay Abraham, who's one of the most brilliant marketing minds on the planet. And this particular interview was done just for our Genius Network members, and Genius Network is the highest level discussion group in the world uh, for marketers and industry transformers. People invest $25,000 a year to be in the Genius Network group and come to three two-day meetings a year. And one of those meetings includes a two-day Genius Network annual event, which is the highest level marketing event in the world uh, for the level of people that attend, running very successful companies, many, many New York Times bestselling authors, uh, lots of just business icons. And we're doing a special half-day session at this upcoming Genius Network annual event this year in uh, Arizona, which is where we've been doing it for the last couple of years. And so this particular interview was done just for the people that were attending this group. However, the advice that is shared, the discussions that we had, I consider so valuable and so useful that although this interview is just done for people that are coming to Genius Network, I wanted to use it as a podcast episode because no matter where you're at in business and what we discuss on this episode, I think you'll find really valuable. So listen to it. I think you'll take a lot of notes if you're not doing it while you're driving or running up mountains or you know whatever you do when you listen to our podcast. And I hope you find it useful and please share your comments and have a wonderful day. Now, here's me introducing and then interviewing Jay Abraham and Damon John. Hello, this is Joe Polish, and today I'm going to be doing a fascinating interview with two respected and celebrated champions of entrepreneurship. I have both Damon John and Jay Abraham here with me to discuss what they'll be sharing at our upcoming Genius Network annual event and what they both plan to achieve with you as a Genius Network member. On October 5th, we're going to have a bonus session after our two-day annual event with both Damon and Jay. This is really a sneak preview of two different experiences you're going to be part of at the Genius Network annual event. And it's going to be awesome because first, Damon is an industry pioneer. He's evolved from one of the most successful fashion icons in the country, having grown FUBU into a $6 billion brand. And he's become one of the most sought after businessmen in the country, appearing as an investor on one of the most watched TV shows, Shark Tank. 
Damon is just super sharp, super smart, and I'm really excited to have you, Damon, on this call with Jay. And Jay is basically the most preeminent strategist and marketing mind alive. Just to give you a sense of how amazing Jay is, he's increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients in more than 400 industries and over 7,200 sub-industries worldwide. He's dealt with virtually every type of business and has 15,000 plus individual business success stories from around the world. Many of the world's top entrepreneurial icons seek out Jay's advice to help them grow their organizations. Both Jay and Damon are amazing, and the discussion you're about to hear is going to open up your mind to some really unique perspectives on business building, entrepreneurship, and growth. So uh, before I start asking both of you some questions, I just wanted to say welcome, Jay and Damon. Great to have you here. It's always fun to do interviews and talk with you, and it's really informative. So uh, thank you. And ditto, ditto Joe. Thank, thank you. you. Awesome. Well, so I'm going to launch right into it. This, the, this is going to be for people that are coming to our sold-out a Genius Networker event. This is the highest level uh, event of its kind for people that are in the, the field of, of marketing and what we refer to as industry transformers. The room will be filled with people running multi-million dollar businesses, uh, some of the very best in the world in their categories. And for both of you, you're both industry transformers. You are the best in the world for both of what you guys do. So I'll start with you first, Damon. You've been a shark on Shark Tank, which is one of the highest rated TV shows for many years. Uh, how many years now have you been on Shark Tank, actually? Yeah, seven years. We're going on our eighth year right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what lessons have you observed that every business and Genius Network could, could benefit from? Uh, you know, I think one of the most important things that I've learned, uh, you know, because of the current change in the status of social media and online conversion is that, you know, we're going into an area where a lot of people can really, uh, you know, watch their downside. And because of the data that's out there, they don't necessarily have to be exposed to as much inventory as they used to in the past, you know. So, what I'm learning is that people are going out there and they're converting and they're finding out who their audience is. And once they know who their audience is, then they know how much they can leverage that audience by selling them whatever the goods are, whether it's apparel, whether it's a service or something like that. And they don't necessarily have to keep inventory. Uh, you look at some of the largest companies in the world now, they don't have inventory. If there's Facebook, Airbnb, Uber, iTunes, whatever the case may be. And I'm noticing that as the everyday entrepreneur is trying to find ways to not have that exposure because Two of the biggest exposures you're going to have in your business are going to be marketing and also then inventory. Well, interesting. interesting. You know, and let me mention this also uh, right at the very beginning. Uh, I've done several interviews with, with Jay, uh, with Damon in the past. Uh, many of the people that are coming to Genius Network have uh, were promoted uh, Damon's book, The Power of Broke. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the whole world is actually changing in terms of even how retail is going to show up in terms of buildings in, in real estate and in, in how people are buying. So, Jay, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that same question? I deal with a broad spectrum of people who are not selling information most of the time. They're selling all kinds of products, services all around the world. And just to go where, where Damon's going, I look at their online presence. It's fascinating. Direct response marketing, selling, psychological techniques have been around for hundreds of years and they're immutable. And these people, they'll have a website you hit and it's just got a name. It has no no headline denominating any of the advantages. They almost unknowingly make their website inferior. And a lot of the people, and it's not a negative of these people, but a lot of the people that purport to be 
the experts on all this uh, digital marketing don't have a clue how to make a website multiply three things, its ability to attract and maintain a quality prospective buyer, its ability to preemptively establish that company, that their product, their service, whatever it is, in a way that is incomparable, establish a buying criteria, their ability you know, to move them all the way to whatever direct response is required, whether it's a purchase, whether it's a phone call, whatever. And I find it fascinating. Now, in my normal work, there's three almost universal recurring observations we make. One, everybody does the same thing the same way everyone else does it in their industry, which is very rarely the best way. It's just what they followed. It's like following the herd. And even that, they're not really trying to optimize. And I'll give you a little, I don't want to be too deep. Number two, almost nobody is strategic. They're all tactical. They really don't understand how to make sure that everything they do enhances and advances a big outcome that is uh, very, very well defined. And then number three, there's about 50 different impact points in the revenue side of any business. Now, that sounds daunting, but it goes to not just the main activities, but within every activity, whether it's securing uh, an appointment, setting the prelude of the appointment, going to the appointment, trying to convert the appointment, whether it's the signage at a trade show, whether it's what you say in the first three minutes, how you follow up if you're a, a big sponsor, what you do with the attendee list. And almost nobody recognizes the leverage and the strategic ability to harness all that. And I can go on and on, but I find that fascinating. That, that's, that's probably enough for now. No, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, and, and just even exploring that and thinking that opens up your brain to, to uh, you know, unexploited opportunities and things that just probably are being absolutely neglected. And I've always loved the term sales prevention department because <laughs> many companies have a really <laughs> superb, you know, sales prevention department. We figured out how do we, you know, set things up so we just do not have people to continue to do business with us. Jay and Damon, you speak to huge groups of business owners and entrepreneurs from whatever you can think of at the top of your mind. What are the most frequently asked and also the most unique questions you both get asked and what would be your answers? You can you know, pick one or two, uh, whatever you can think of, but you, you get hit with everything. And so I'd love to hear what are the most frequently asked things that people are asking of you and the most you, you know, uh, what, unique ones and what are your answers to those questions? Yeah, I, I think the, the number one question I get asked by corporations is how to have uh, uh, their employees think like entrepreneurs and think outside the box and how to create innovation. Uh, yet, even when they want to create innovation, they don't make any change internally to create innovation. They don't have, you know, the 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 legal is not speaking to sales, the sales is not speaking to production, and production is not speaking to, uh, you know, to retail or anything of that nature. And that's the biggest challenge they have is how to how to have people in their organization feel incentivized to then think like an entrepreneur. But yet, they don't want me to speak to them and get them too excited, so they quit their job. So I think that, um, you know, that's the biggest challenge and that's, that's the biggest question I'm always asked by anybody in corporate America. And, uh, you know, startups and small businesses, it's always going to be access to capital. When do they, you know, when do they take in capital? Uh, you know, because when you take in, the earlier you take in capital, the more it costs. 
And is the capital purely from, uh, you know, a monetary standpoint or are, how do you have a strategic partner uh, also put in capital? And, and, and where are these people and how do you get to these people and how do you speak to them? Basically, how do you get on Shark Tank and pitch a shark at the end of the day? <laughs> no, that's probably like your number one thing. Every every <laughs> weird way that someone would approach you is hoping that you're going to land them on TV and, and exactly. Well, can can I ask you about this? Because I've always thought of this. I, I mean, I'm a person who never went out and raised money. I never went out and looked for investors, and I've always uh, sold stuff in order to have money. Now, with uh, certainly a lot of people need revenue depending on the type of business that they're having if it's very you know technology and programming intensive and you know whatever uh, you know money uh, in in a an infusion of it in the beginning is always helpful what i've also seen is a lot of people uh, to use something i think i heard jay say years ago when people are just given a ton of money they can be very promiscuous with it especially if they didn't have it's not their own money do you typically try to talk people out of getting investors in certain sort of context, because most of the whole Shark Tank world is like, let's go in and get money and also align ourselves with these smart people that are going to hopefully bring us, you know, not only marketing and exposure, but connections. I mean, what are you, what are your takes on like, when is getting money just a dumb, dangerous thing? Because your, your book, The Power of Broke, goes so deeply into into that being broke creates creativity because, you know, you got to figure out what to do. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've never raised uh, capital as well. I mean, you know, um, uh, I ended up having a distribution deal with Samsung, um, you know, after about eight years of uh, operating FUBU and, you know, I opened and closed it three times from 89 to 92. And by the time I, knew that I needed some capital, I really didn't need capital because I would have burned through the capital anyway. I needed back office. I needed manufacturing and letters of credit opened up and people who understood quality control and and quota, come, you know, bringing things out of other countries. So I needed way uh, a whole different uh, other aspect in capital. But we're at the day and age where, you know, venture venture funds are out there, crowdfunding is out there, and people feel that they need capital. I, I personally am against uh, taking in outside investors. I'd rather, you know, obviously own, uh, you know, a larger amount of a smaller company than having to uh, deal with investors. So I say you don't take in capital unless you absolutely are certain that the scalability is uh, not guaranteed, but as I had said in the earlier part, that you know who your customers are. You know that you have a subscription service and you know that 10,000 people are paying $100 uh, a month for your for your product and you know that you can take that 10,000 to 100,000 if you had this infusion of capital, which would, which would either set up your systems or your software or your ability to deliver or take to another level. But it, the capital will have to take you, uh, you know, three and four and five times X to me and it would have to be a small amount of capital you take in comparison to your ownership because there's no need to go from, you know, 10 million to 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 20 million but you just gave up 50% of your company so you're really just doing the 10 million at the end of the day when it comes back to your pocket. So I always say the capital is only if you really want to take it to a, another level and you have made every single mistake you can at a small stage so you know what not to do and that you know you're going to go 5 and 10 and 20 and 30 times extra the capital. But more importantly, you know, can you get a strategic partner? And is that capital also 
the can you go back to the bank on that capital? Is that capital in phases? Do you can you can you take a quarter of it now and then and then slowly ratchet up? Um, to to elaborate on that, a lot of the deals that I've done on Shark Tank after you know the fifth sixth year, I started to understand that you know all the money I put out in the first two three years, I never got any of it back. You know, it still had you still had to feed the monster, and a lot of those. Uh, a lot of those Shark Tank people had to go out and raise other capital, come back to me for capital. So what I realized is that if I'm going to give somebody, you know, three hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to give it to them in, in tranches of fifties if we hit every goal over the course of two years. Right, and what that does <laughs> right. is that yeah, what that does is that gives them a little bit of a you know, puts a, it tethers them a little bit to say, wait a minute, don't you know, this is not the lottery. You know, go out there and as you said, you know, Jay talks about being promiscuous. Be very, very frugal with what you're doing. Make sure it's the right decision because if you blow this, you're not going to get, you know, tranche number two, right, or, or tranche number three or four or five, and it makes them maximize it. Then it also, from my standpoint as an investor, lets me get to see how um, how this person performs over a course of time because, you know, the dating process of, oh, my God, I have a shark as a partner, that runs out after the first month, after, you know, after they realize I'm not going to come there and, you know, and save the day, right? So it starts to it right. starts to really get to see how the person performs over uh, a good amount of time, and you get more and more comfortable. And both parties you get more and more comfortable. But I say don't take in money if you don't have to. The only couple of times that I've maybe taken in money, and not because I need it, because some friends of mine wanted to come in on a partnership, I couldn't sleep at night, and I sent them all back their money in six months. Yeah, you know, you know that that's actually very insightful. I mean, one of my favorite quotes that I think I heard, you know, uh, uh, Gary Halbert say uh, years ago was, "The most expensive information in the world is bad information." And there's a <laughs> lot of people that are, you know, dispensing really bad information. And and if you get some free information online, as an example, but it's bad, it could be the most expensive free information that you've ever given. And and what I want to <laughs> say is that. To remind everyone listening, now we're going to do our two-day Genius Network annual event. It's going to be awesome. I'll be doing an interview with, uh, with, with Damon, John, and also Brett Wilson, who is a dragon on Dragon's Den. I don't think anyone's ever interviewed a dragon and a shark at the same time that I'm aware of. I don't know. Uh, but I, that's going to be really awesome. And then on the 5th, we're going to do a half-day event with uh, Jay and Damon. And as you are listening to this, coming to the Genius Network annual event, if you're going to be one of the people that will be in that room, and, and our event is sold out currently, so it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, think about you know here you got Damon who is now going on the eighth year of Shark Tank. He has seen thousands of businesses, you know, proposals, uh, deals, asking for money. Uh, built a six billion dollar company itself. Numerous other businesses, investor in so many things. And what you said, you know, the first three years, we weren't even making any money. And that's something that most people would be like, oh, my God, I wish I could go on, on Shark Tank. But what they don't realize is that when you were because we've talked about this on previous interviews, like in the very yeah. beginning, this is the first time they did that. They didn't know how to filter some of these businesses. Great. And uh -huh. the, the, the level, you know, the level of wisdom you have, you know, the right question posed to you you know, at, in the right way could save someone 10 years of their life or, or, or could put them on the right path. And then going, of course, to Jay Abraham, who's one of the most brilliant marketing minds on the planet that has, I, I know for a fact that his strategies have, have generated first clients at least a minimum of $9 billion in revenue. So you're going to be able to spend, you know, an, an afternoon in a real intimate setting with uh, with both of them. And so come to this prepared uh 
in advance. You know, read Damon's book. If you, if you haven't read up the stuff I've sent you on Jay Abraham or listen to the interviews, do that and come to this uh, because, you know, we're not only going to, we're going to record this also. So we'll create a video for, for you so you'll be able to have it captured. And it's going to be awesome, but I want everyone to show up knowing just how much you can come from uh, and get out of out of listening to them. So, yeah, thank you for that, Damon. Uh, Jay, uh, you want to answer that question, most frequently asked question that you would get, and what would be your answer? Sure, but I'm going to answer it in a, a little bit of a unexpected way. All I do anymore, I don't do uh, key. I do keynotes, but they're very unique. I don't do any basic Jay Abraham anymore. I just do Q&A, problem solving, uh, strategy, restructuring, marketing, makeovers, things like that. And what I found is most people, most entrepreneurs can't even articulate what their real question is. It's very abstract. It's very uh, tangential. So what I do or what I do, what I do things with other people uh, like Tony Robbins is we first of all have to get them clarity on what the hell the right question to ask is, and we have to really help them understand the why, because a lot of them are asking very tangential questions. Secondly, when we get clarity, usually the question is, how do I grow my business with my limited you know, resources, capital, uh, infrastructure? And the real problem that they need to ask is, how many better ways can I reach my market? How many better ways can I convey my proposition? How many better ways can I discriminate and find the quality people I want and not waste time on the ones that either I don't want or don't want me? How many ways can I distinguish and differentiate my business from everyone else? Now, just this is not arrogant. It's just clinical. When I started 99% of the people I worked with had no capital. So I had to become exceptionally proficient at using, other, not abusing, using ethically other people's assets, distribution, brand, sales forces, uh, affinity group. So there are so many, one, when you do as many industries, not just companies as I do, you you have a a, a, a pretty fascinating uh, perspective because you see so many higher performing, better performing, safer, more profitable, more more strategic, higher yielding strategy, sales approaches, revenue models, uh, ancillary ways to to either enhance or make profitable a marginal deal. You see so many elements that are not linear that you can reach the market and people really that's what they want but they don't even know how to ask good questions in my opinion and i work mostly with entrepreneurs i don't do many startups i have a couple but mostly it the, the range that i will do is a is an entrepreneur yeah maybe a, th- a million but usually it's going to be five or ten to a couple hundred million and uh, it's very interesting because they don't know how to uh, leverage up. Uh, I mean, by the way, and Damon should affirm this. I think he will. Biggest overlooked advantage people have is not looking at what I'll call the critical mass and velocity and motion. And by that, I mean, there's all this stuff going on right now, but they don't look at how many ways they can make everything perform better 
for zero extra time, effort, expense, number one. Number two, the most underutilized uh, resource asset most entrepreneurs have is their talent. They get about 20% of the capacity, and they get bad because they can't hire good talent. But the key is if you can't hire it, you build it, you grow it, you develop it. I can go on and on and on, but that's my answer. Okay. And what I will say is that, uh, you know, prior to the event, because the way that I look at Genius Network, you know, Genius Network is just a really high level discussion group where we help build a better entrepreneur. And then everyone that's in the group comes together for the uh, annual event and people that are not currently members of the event this year, it's uh, $10,000 a person, which it has been for uh, going on you know, seven years now for the annual event. And I think next year I'm going to raise the price to $25,000 just for this two day event. And now this one we're, we're uh, attaching to this, this special uh, half day bonus day with uh, both of you in order to, you know, impart um, guidance and direction and wisdom and strategy uh, and, and perspective on how to not only think about building and growing a better business, but but being a more effective entrepreneur and, and building, you know, a type of life that you <laughs> would want to live. And with all of that, there's going to be like, well, you know, what I ask and how I go into it is going to determine, you know, the type of response you get, asking better questions. And so I am sending to everybody uh, a list of questions that Jay came up with to think about your business, to think about your clients, to think about uh, how you think. And if you go through those questions before this event, you're going to come into this really prepared to get the most out of it. I've always loved the the line, is the juice worth the squeeze? I was with this organizational lady at my office uh, several years ago, Barbara Hemphill, and, and her name was Tracy Campbell. And they were helping me go through just, you know, I've, I've one of the biggest swipe files on the planet. That's for people that don't know what a swipe file is. It's uh, something from the old school days of direct mail and direct marketing. You would hold on to sales letters and promotions and campaigns. And I've got just some of the greatest marketing promotions and courses on the planet in a physical form. And we were looking at like, what the hell do I do with all of this stuff? And I was staring at something and Tracy said to me, because she could see I was confused. Should I, should I save it? Should I file it? Should I throw it away? And she asked me the question, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I was like, that is a damn good question when it comes to, you know, mm-hmm. saying yes or saying no to, to a person or an opportunity. And I, and I use that a lot when I get overwhelmed. I, I ask myself, you know, is the juice worth the, worth the squeeze? Well, the way to get the most out of an event, the way to squeeze the most juice out of this Genius Network event and the day that we're, we're going to spend together with, with Jay and, uh, and, and Damon is to literally prepare yourself in advance. And if you do, if you come in with the right level of thinking, you're going to get a hell of a lot of juice out of it because I can guarantee you there is some enormous wisdom, as you can tell, just by listening to the conversation we've had so far. So I just wanted to not to be redundant, just to make that point. And questions are what are going to open up the doors to what you want answers to. So, all right, that's my little rant there. Uh, Damon, uh, when you're not buying into businesses on Shark Tank, what kind of businesses do you own, invest in, and look for, and why? You know, I think that's a perfect question after, after you know, that statement is the juice worth the squeeze, uh, you know. And even as of uh, probably about 2 o'clock, uh, 2 a.m. last night, you know, I was um, dealing with some fairly big celebrities. So so let me let me just backtrack and say that my business is comprised of a couple of things. You know, so you have my Shark Tank investments, which may take up, uh, and they can take up anywhere up to 30 or 40% of my time, uh, 
it only takes us approximately you know, three weeks to film the entire show. But after that, it takes up a massive amount of time to go through due diligence and do everything and close the deals and deal with the entrepreneurs and, and work, right? Uh, then you have my, my fashion and my um, textile businesses where we have about eight, eight, eight companies and that probably takes up another, you know, 20, 30% of my time. And then you have consulting, um, you know, consulting, speaking, and uh, developing a new product. I'm developing a, uh, developing a product called Blueprint and, and Co. It's very similar to the, the, the uh, co-shared spaces out there in the market where, you know, people no longer necessarily need these huge offices. They go and they, they sit around like-minded entrepreneurs and, you know, uh, you're, 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 you're a startup, but, you know, you're, you're, you're a wife and you have a company, you're creating um, some kind of lotions or cosmetics, but, you know, your husband doesn't necessarily want you to be in the house taking up half the, half the, half the home with a bunch of boxes and, and people coming over. So, you know, you go and, and, and create this space and you go and rent the space and this is where you do it. So that those are my businesses, but, one of my businesses for many, many years, because of a symbiotic relationship, has been uh, representing and or dealing with uh, artists, whether it's athlete, artist, uh, um, you know, music artists and things of that nature. And the reason why I initially done this is because whether it's FUBU or my, any of my other brands that I owned, I used to want to go to a video set or a movie and I would ask them to wear my product. And exchange instead of giving them a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, I would advise them on how to monetize their brand as the music industry uh, and and television started to kind of implode. Um, I then started to represent a lot of them. So if you look at the Kardashians, I represented them uh, product integration in their brand for about the first three years. I've worked with everybody from Pitbull to Lennox Lewis to LL Cool J to anybody and everybody underneath the planet. Last night, about two o'clock in the morning, some huge stars that I have that I was representing and some licensing, they decided uh, not to go with the direction that uh, I thought was best because they just decided, you know, they, they come with a lot of egos. And I looked at my, I looked at my current business model and I realized that even though I have, uh, you know, I represent a lot of them, that it has changed these days, you know, unlike maybe 10 years ago where I can go out and get licensed and or uh, a license to put out somebody's brand who was a celebrity. These days, the current celebrities are instead of having one person with, you know, uh, 20 million followers, you can have, you know, whatever, whatever that breaks down to is, uh, you know, 20 people with 1 million followers that are just average everyday people that convert the numbers much, much better. And the day of the superstars are really going away. So I looked at my business and I said, you know what? It's the, it's the same 80, 20 that we're all going through, but these 20, this 20% of dealing with these licenses and these stars, whether it's, you know, to represent my Shark Tank brand or my, all my clothing brands, that really is changing now. So now how do I take that 20% and move it over to be a lost leader in a new area and field where that 20% will eventually grow to replace the 80. I had done that around 2004 when I realized that apparel was starting to slow down. 2008, people stopped buying apparel because they needed to, they needed to pay their rent. The last thing they were doing was buying a new pair of jeans or a coat. And I, and I started to license out my FUBU business and everything else. And my 80% of business I started to license out I started to do all the books and go on to the media tours and started to create content because of this new thing called Facebook coming around and Twitter and social media. And now that 20% that I had called the lost leader 
now started to move over to the 80% because that's not how you see me on Shark Tank. So the basic, the, what I'm trying to say is that every single year, every single day, I start to uh, change my model to save time and move my 80-20 and keep investing in the 20 so the 20 replaces the 80. And I hopefully I gave you a, somewhat of the answer you needed as going around that whole story. No, no, that, that's great. And I mean, you, you make a really interesting point that the world of the superstar is, you know, there's there's never going to be, uh, at least I don't believe anything ever like an Elvis or any, I mean, and that's going back, you know, many, many years. Right. But as we get more and more, it's just, it's just not that world anymore. And certainly you did mention something about ego. And I would, uh, I believe ego is, you know, I have a friend, Ryan Holiday, who wrote a book, you know, Ego is the Enemy. I think it's being one of the biggest underminers of success. And I think all three of us could probably even speak to our own egos when it has served us, uh, when it's in check and where it's actually allowed us to make a ton of shitty decisions. And, and when it comes to the world of famous people, and you certainly have dealt with a lot more in the celebrity and entertainment world than, than me, but you know, one of my passion projects is artists for addicts because many artists are riddled with addiction. And so it's one of the, the platforms that I'm, uh, building right now where we're selling art to help uh, fund education, change the global conversation about how people view addicts instead of as being moral degenerates, but as people that are in pain that are using, you know, drugs, alcohol, behaviors, coping mechanisms. And I have come across a lot of, uh, a lot of famous people. And, and, and I've, I have a few of them uh, that are friends of mine and not only in the business world, but in recovery centers, in 12 step groups and, you know, high profile groups that they, you know, go and just share everything. And, and I have seen uh, how, how fame could be enormously uh, destructive to people. And at the same time, the world admires it. And they admire people that they don't really always know what the hell, well, they hardly ever know what is going on uh, behind the curtain. And I run across a lot of people that would rather be well-known than well-paid. And just because you have a ton of Instagram followers or Facebook followers or Snapchat or whatever does not always translate uh, into you having a business. Uh, you could have a, a giant following and no revenue. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, many people would rather be, uh, you know, they would rather be well known than, than well paid. And uh, Jay, you know, with his knowledge of conversion and his knowledge of, of you know, deep relationship building and, and value creation, there's a lot to be said about it. So my, my question to, you know, it, both of you is I have always learned early on, like when I was young in business, uh, you know, don't believe your own PR, uh, good or bad. Yeah. I mean, when I say believe it, I mean, you should pay attention to it, but don't get caught up into it. If someone thinks you're the greatest thing in the world, don't convince yourself you're the greatest thing in the world. That's, that's what I, what I mean by it. Uh, what words of advice would you have for people of keeping your ego in check and, and what really is, what matters most? What is really important? Because I've seen so many people become arrogant, become assholes, become uh, promiscuous uh, with their spending and with all other areas of life and just not really thinking through. And I think both of you probably have a, a lot of insight and probably some good advice for people on, 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 the, on that subject. So I got started at 18. Many people know that. And I'm older now. I've had three midlife crises, and they've all been predicated by the same thing. And I'm going to tell you a funny element about it and a sad element about it and a, and a profoundly revelatory element about it. So, you know, every time I was very, very successful, I kept waiting for the heavens to open, the sky 
to you know to you know send majestic blinding light the angels to and <laughs> and for euphoria to happen in my life and nothing happened except I realized I had a larger set of disappointments of of uh, frustration I I went to bunches of therapists and most of them frustrated the crap out of me because it'd be 55 minutes you'd be getting into the, something really cool and they go hey see you next week it was like a cliffhanger so I decided I was tired of, of having these. So the last time I retained somebody for a whole week, I said, goodbye for a week. And if I don't come, I'm going to send somebody who's effed up. And it was hilarious because I would just send all my screwy friends. But this one person gave me a context that changed my life. And now I'm going to give you observations about other people and a context that can help you keep your ego in check. So w- what this person told me was quite profound. He said, most people are obsessed with the end product. They want to be the most popular. They want to have the biggest, fastest growing company. They uh, they want to have the hottest wife or the hottest wife and the hottest uh, 18 girlfriends. They want the biggest car collection. They want, you know, the media. And when they're unlucky enough to get it for that reason, it's anticlimactic. And he said, the process is really all there is. This conversation is wonderful that you and I and Damon, and I'm learning from listening to Damon and you, is wonderful. But if we were having a conversation with the damn janitor, or I don't mean the damn janitor, or uh, it it would be just as relevant. Now, that's one point. The second point is I've been blessed because I've uh, not only worked with some profound people, but I've been impacted, mentored, uh, taken to task because I was much more egotistical when I was younger. And one gave me a context of reference that has changed my life. He said, your job in life is to first and foremost examine, understand, appreciate, respect, acknowledge, and grasp what it's like to be in the life and the mind of the other side, whatever the other side is, And you have to realize that in mass dissemination, we learn this in direct response. We learn this in magazine advertising. And I think Damon would agree it's the same thing in any kind of a social or digital media. You can have a million, 10 million people, but you're communicating to one human being at a time. And when you keep that in check and you realize that our life is denominated by three things. The problems we solve for other, the opportunities we make possible, and opportunities have a very broad font. They can be entertainment, enjoyment, liberation, commiseration, empathy. But I look at it with more humility and humanity, but I must acknowledge that I was an arrogant, pompous, very, very self-consumed person earlier in my life. And I think that the most wonderful thing that happens to somebody is a reversal that doesn't absolutely destroy you, but gives you a reality check so you realize how irrelevant we really are. And I'm just, I mean, I don't know if my answer is helpful or not. No, I think it's very helpful. And I think it also uh, is relatable. Uh, It's certainly, it's harder to hear when people are in the, you know, when ego is, is running the show. I mean, I'm a guy that goes back and forth to, uh, you know, I'll, 
I'll read, you know, Eckhart Tolle stuff to, you know, let's do strategy and building businesses and stuff. And I hang around egomaniacs all day long. And I also simultaneously meditate daily and do float pods and uh, do uh, addiction recovery work. And, you know, I've done more therapy and looking at myself than most people that I know. And I constantly think about, you know, the Socrates uh, quote of uh, the unexamined life is not worth living, but I also believe that the unlived life is is not worth examining. So, you know, part of it is how do you live a great life and how do you you do it in lots of ways and how do you not let your uh, ego uh, become your enemy? I mean, some people pursue, you know, let's not have it, you know, no ego, no ego. And it's like, you know, that's actually... If you're going to go out and, and, and say things that are contrarian, if you're going to build a successful business, if you're certainly going to write books and go out to the world and put yourself on TV, I mean, there are ways to harness it. It's, it's important to have a, a healthy ego. And, you know, most of the time it's it's not healthy. So it's, it's, it's always great to, you know, I don't know the answers. I just like hearing um, hearing other people's perspectives. Can I interrupt with a very profound insight that I think that I have learned that I think is really interesting, and I'm not trying to be rude and disrespectful. I'm trying to make a point of profound insight that I forgot to make, and I think it's very appropriate. What I've found in all the different, and as I said, I only do question answers, problem solving. I don't I do not do any, any general theoretical shtick. What you find is different people have totally different definitions to the same word, the same scenario. For example, ego. You could ask somebody, yeah. are you egotistical? And their definition would be fascinating. Well, particularly if you ask a sociopath, but <laughs> but, but, but I think it's very important. One of the things I try to do when I'm working with anyone is say, okay, stop. You're using phrases, and I need to know what, because everybody's got a different life, different experiences, and literally different mental and, and verbal definitions in their mind that's driving whatever that machine is. Of, of of words and no two. I mean, it, it was funny. We used to do seminars where I would purposely come in late, uh, and, and well, I was never very punctual, but I would come in later than normal, and I'd say, "Oh, gee, I'm so apologetic. I was in the, in the corridor, and I saw the most stunning woman I have ever seen in my life." And I would just stop and do something else. Then I'd come back and I'd go around the room random and said, "Okay, what vision came to your mind when I said that?" And it would be hilarious because certain guys who were uh, conservative would talk about, you know, just abstract. Certain guys who were a little more lascivious would talk about very embarrassing elements of, of anatomy and physiology. Certain people liked a European curvature, dark haired, certain like tall, lit, or whatever the word is, blonde. Women were very much more conservative. But you have to realize that no two people are even having the same definition. It's a very interesting distinction. And I apologize for interrupting, but it is a very important distinction. My whole point about bringing it up is, you know, based on some of the things that Damon was saying, uh, you know, I have seen uh, when people are hungry. Uh, well, here's, here's I would say it this way. I did this interview with uh, uh, Dan Kennedy uh, on a couple years ago on um, I Love Marketing, my, my marketing podcast. And uh, wh- one of the things that we talked about is when you first start out, you get paid for what you do. Like you have to go out and do something useful. You have to have a, you know, a product or a service, a, a skill that people want. You have to not only be able to persuade, 
to, to, to demonstrate, to deliver it, you get paid for what you do. And if you do a really good job of what you do or for some, you know, luck or whatever, you know, you're on the right tide, you become who you become famous. And then when you become famous, you get paid for who you are. Like, for instance, I think I've interviewed Richard Branson probably more than anyone. I mean, I've got hours and hours of footage at Necker Island from, you know, six week long trips there that I've done in the, in the past and that sort of stuff. And Richard Branson doesn't need to say anything all that intelligent. Uh, he just needs to show up and be Richard Branson because he gets paid for being Richard Branson. He gets paid for who he is. And so a lot of people spend time wedding, and then if they do a good job, they get to spend time for whoing. Like, you know, both you and Dan are, who, are who's, you know, you're out there, you know, you, you, you know, people want to know who you are because you have, you have a track record. What I have seen with a lot of people that, you know, in the way that I understand ego, that don't keep their ego in check is they think they're so freaking cool. They think they're such badasses and they, they don't work as hard. They, they lose the hunger and worse they start becoming mean. They're just not really, they're not very nice. Now, maybe, you know, uh, like I, I have a company, Piranha Marketing, and, and I remember a conversation I had with Glenn Morshower. Uh, and, and let me tell you guys this real quick, because I thought it's really quite fascinating. And we had about a four-hour lunch, and, and Glenn is an actor who's been on every episode of 24. He's been on more military roles than any actor uh, alive currently, uh, as far as I know. And most people don't really they hear the name, they're like, who is that? But then when then they see him, they're like, oh, I saw him in Transformers. I saw him on, you know, these movies. And we're having this conversation. It was years ago. And it was right during the time where Kiefer Sutherland was on the cover of, um, of uh, National Enquirer, I think People Magazine, where he was drunk in front of the Viper Room uh, in, 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 in L.A. And he had been outed. And I was talking with, with Glenn, and I was like, you know, talking about celebrities. And he said, you know, he goes, a single piranha will not do much damage, but a swarm of them will take down a great creature. And he goes, Kiefer is one of these people where his fame is globally inescapable. There is no place he can go in the world and not be recognized. And that puts an enormous amount of pressure on people. And he said this great statement. He goes, if you get into the entertainment business, actor, you know, musician, any sort of fame. He said, if you get into the, the, this business without knowing who you are, it will misinform you. And I was like, wow, that is, that is an interesting way to look at it. And what happens is if people don't surround themselves with mentors, if they don't surround themselves with people that are not ass kissers, there is a potential that they're going to, you know, they're going to start believing everything that is written about them. And I mean, everyone would always say before social media, the media is bullshit. The media is, and then you have social media. So what does that mean? You know, it's like social media is true. I mean, you know, Facebook could very much be called fake book. I mean, people present what it is they want things to be said in a certain way. And look, I've no issues with any of that. I think it's great. Instill conversation, share knowledge. I mean, there's so much that is beautiful about our ability to communicate more effectively. This is really more about an internal question of, you know, at the end of the day, we're all talking about building businesses, growing businesses, you know, reaching our aspirations. It says, how do you do it to where you don't lose yourself? How do you do it where you actually stay oh. relevant? You know, that, and so that, that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm really asking well, you guys about. And it's just fascinating to hear your answers. Well, let me, let me, you know, I think that, um, you know, a good thing about coming to the Genius Network is that, uh, and and in regards to this, is that I think that we I can relate to a, a lot of the individuals there because they're business owners and operators. Now, I have been a business owner and operator for for many years. I've had many businesses that have failed, 
you know, and then, um, then I've had, you know, FUBU and a couple that have succeeded. And even during that time of having FUBU and a couple of succeeded, I've had another 20 that have failed within, you know, in between that time. And, you know, I heard a great saying the other day where somebody said, you know, everybody, we all compare our blooper reel to everybody's sizzle reel, right? You know, because everybody's <laughs> right. <laughs> how many things go wrong with me and look how everybody else is doing so great. And that's, that's really much your analogy of Facebook. But I've always been the person like everybody else who's going to uh, be there those two days. I've been that person who's been in back of the camera. I've had to deal with talent. I've had to deal with managers in whatever level, whether it's talent being your, your CMO or whether it's talent being, uh, you know, somebody you need to hire to come and do a speaking engagement or somebody you need to take a picture and, and or advertising and put it out there. And I've always uh, disliked dealing with talent unless the talent was a business person. But now I happen to be talent and a business person. And it is a really weird world because if you do not know who you are, you'll get lost. But if you really look at it, if we only talk about whether it's an athlete or whether it's an actor or somebody else like that, uh, well, maybe not athletes because they perform on a certain level. Every singer, every, 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 everybody who sings, they have the same three and a half minute song. It's really the machine that's behind them that puts them out because we all know, we all know somebody who sings great in the church, but they, they, they can't get arrested in the studio, right? Um, you know, everybody right. who's on a reality show or an actor, it's the same hour and a half that you're on the movie. It's all about the, you know, as we all operators of the Genius Network know, it's about the back office. It's about the advertising, marketing, production, distribution, financing, you know, whatever it may have been. So when you look at an actor or an actress, they purely, their ego is purely set upon if somebody else loves me, you know, because then I get to sing another song, then I get to do another movie. Unlike us, who we have to quantify, no matter what, at the end of the day or the end of the month, we have to look at, did we do more sales or did we decrease costs? There is no other way to go around operating a business. You sell more or you decrease costs. And, and, and that's it, right? There's going to be a profit or a loss. And I think that we have a little bit more of reasons why we could put our ego in check. My ego happens to be as much in check as I can make it because when I started getting to a certain level and I started to have multiple companies, I reached out to Jay Abraham. This is, I, I think this was before Shark Tank. I, I reached out to Jay Abraham because I knew that my, I know that life is a series of mentors and I knew that my current mentors were okay, but there was nobody out there who I think could take me to the next level of where I was going. As I said, when I moved my 80 to 20 and 20 to 80, I knew that I was going into a world and I was trying to share my marketing ideas. And initially I was going to be put in a box with, well, you just make baggy jeans for the people who like rap music, right? So, and I knew that I had the DNA and the fundamentals of business, but now how was I going to take this on a global level and how was I going to create this blueprint to get it out to everybody else to show that, no, I understand, you know, every aspect about business and marketing. So I need to go to somebody who's already done it before. So I reached out to Jay and we, we created a, an amazing friendship and he's been an amazing mentor, but that put my ego in check because if you're talking to people who've been there and done that, they have no problem telling you when you are out of place. But I still, on the on the flip side, I still have tried to uh, surround myself with people who know me 20, 30 years. And, and I often do that when I go uh, and I look at other companies and other people and I see that have a heavy turnover of staff. None of these people have known this person maybe, you know, more than five years besides the one secretary or the right-hand man who's known them for 20, 30 years because that's the only person that will take their shit. 
so you, you really, it's really about all the people that you surround yourself with. And at the end of the day, as you said, you have to analyze the business. And a lot of these people at the Genius Network have to just look at how their businesses have gone and how they are, uh, you know, going forward and, you know, what's their turnover. And then do they have good mentors in their lives? And what are their true goals? A lot of people have egos, unfortunately, because of different reasons. Their father may have locked them in the closet for 20, 30 years and said, you know, you're never going to be anybody unless you can uh, sing and dance and make everybody laugh when you come into the room or unless you wear a, a, a shortcut uh, blouse or something like that. So sometimes it's not really, you know, just the business aspect. It's something way, way deeper. So, you know, hopefully I, I give you some insight from, you know, from the business aspect all the way to the show business aspect. Uh, and it's very nice and flattering. Thank you, Damon, for that. But I've been around Damon in a multitude of scenarios, and he is very well recognized. And he has humility, he has humanity, he has respect, and he has uh, engagement of people. Uh, and he treats people with enormous um, uh, dignity, even if they are inappropriate when they bother him in an environment, dinner, or something else. And I think that, that uh, one of the things that's very important is you have to try to appreciate and fall in love with the people who are uh, either your your market or who are respectful of you, even if they're not exactly respectful of you, for the reasons that you would hope, because they just don't know any better, but he's really wonderful, very humble, and 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 I'm not saying that to pander or to you know mutually, uh, uh, you know, uh, allot him, but he's enormously impressive and and gracious, and he extends himself. And I've been with a lot of, I mean, I don't name drop, but I've been with a lot of people who are very very much the opposite. And in, just so you know, he's. He he he, 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 I think he respects, and this is one of the things, when you have achieved a level of prominence, really, if you think about it, there's a corresponding responsibility if you really want to exercise your privilege to enrich people's lives, and you could do it in a moment just by acknowledgement, shaking a hand with the right way, eye contact, but most people don't really recognize that. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but... It's important for me to make that observation. He's very gracious. He's very humble, and his ego is truly in check. Well, you know, that's interesting that. you say that because that that that's not been my experience. I've hung out with Damon a couple of times, and he's just really arrogant, and he won't sign autographs. And just But Joe, let me ask you something. You know, as as we talk about this, and to get even about all of us from a personal standpoint, you know, every every single member who's going to come there. Um, you know, and we're going to meet at the conference. Uh, they all have, they all have the same problem on various different levels. You know, every one of them are business owners, so every one of them has to hear every single reason why their employee's life is tough. And every and, and they all and, and they all have the same problem. Everybody thinks they walk on water. All the people that they pay or people that look at them from outside. Do they realize that their ego also communicates within their communication to their customers? I've seen that in business owners where. They have an ego that their product is the best. And at the end of the day, it's all about what's in the best interest of your customer. What can we do for them? And I've seen that in communication. You know, I've seen people say, well, we have the best product and you need to come to us because of this instead of this is how it's enhancing your life, your life, your life. So 
you know, for some way to have some takeaways from our ego conversation, when they look at their communication, how does their communication go out to the market and how do they take their ego out of the communication and enhance the ego of the person buying? That is great insight because, I mean, it, it culturally affects everything uh, with, with, you know, how you come off and how you represent yourself and how you think about things. And simply, I mean, I think some of the greatest business owners and when I, you know, and the way that I would, you know, look at successful business owners, certainly, you know, financially, in order to have a capitalistic endeavor, it, it's got to be profitable. I mean, you know, solving problems for a profit is kind of what we what we do. Beyond that, it's it's reputation, it's value creation, it's it's uh, doing what you say you're going to do, delivering upon it, uh, not uh, you know not uh, actually giving a shit about what you do. I mean, I've and you guys have seen this for many years. I mean, the beauty of this is we've been at this game for a long time. I mean, I have had my uh, my marketing company since 1994. I've had my own business since 1990. I've been doing it for a while. And I see hot shots that'll come along and they'll make a boatload of money and they'll get really well known. And two or three years later, they're gone. They, they lost it all. And I'm more impressed with longevity. Uh, and I'm more impressed with people that, uh, you know, they don't let it go to their head. And like you said, also, though, Damon, I mean, if you look at any human being's life, when I am thinking from my higher self, and I always don't, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's many times where I'm just not there. Uh, every human being, I believe, is doing the best they can with where they're at. And, you know, their level of consciousness is based on their upbringing, their traumas, their exposure. When you have a lot of people that are egos, either, you know, the hardest shells hide the tenderest meat. I mean, there's all that sort of stuff. So uh, part of it is having an outside perspective. Uh, sounding boards are so important, especially if you if you grow the, the ladder. Uh, having people that are really great sounding boards and surrounding yourself with someone like that and not being too cool for school. And that's what's so great about Genius Network. I mean, I have great presenters. I have great people. I have great knowledge. At the end of the day, I want people to come to Genius Network and meet other amazing people and have great conversations. And I want them to help, you know, uh, grow their aspirations. But I also want to help them reduce suffering in their life. It's hard to sell that, though. It's hard to say, you know what, come to Genius Network because we're going to reduce some suffering. It just doesn't sound as sexy as add another million dollars in revenue to your business or have better <laughs> clients. But, but, but I'll tell you, that's what I want. And that's the number one thing people hear. They like it. When I, when I talk about addiction, every meeting, people come up to me. Some people probably don't want to hear anything about me talking about, quote unquote, addiction. People come up to me and say, thank you for that. I mean, it, it, it literally makes me feel safe. It, it allows me to, to understand I'm not the only one that's, you know, going through this or living, you know, this double life and I want help. And, and, and that makes me more happy than someone, you know, giving me some testimony about how, you know, they've made millions of dollars. And I have a lot of that as, as do both of you. So let me, let me say this, cause I could talk about this sort of stuff all day long, but I want to make sure we set the stage for everyone coming to this. And I want to mention your book, which we sent out to uh, everybody, and many people have received it in the past when we sent out a copy yes. to. And I, uh, and I many appreciate, past and, I, and I definitely appreciate the support. I mean, they've been extremely supportive. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your latest book is The Power of Broke, and it showcases 15 self made entrepreneurs, and Jay Abraham is actually one of those uh, 15 entrepreneurs. So uh, if you could, real quickly, uh, for people who haven't read it, uh, what's the book about? Why did you write it, and what are a few of the powerful strategies that are in it, 
And uh, then I'll ask you, Jay, about you know anything you want to say about your section in the book is about. So yeah, wh- why'd you write it? What are some of the strategies, and what's what's the, what's the purpose of the book? Sure, absolutely. So and, and I'll definitely let you know because Jay's portion of the book is something I love to share with people. But because he's here, I can uh, talk about the rest of it. So uh, the reason I wrote the Power Broke is because you know um, after you know seven years on Shark Tank, I get you know the same you know common questions, and I meet two type of entrepreneurs, and I meet two type of millennials. I meet uh, the entrepreneur that says, you know what, if I get a deal with the sharks, all my problems are going to go away because they have all the answers to every single thing in the world. And then all this money is going to help me scale. Um, And I always say, if if I had all the answers to every single thing in the world, then FUBU would be called Ralph Lauren or be called Nike, but it's not, it's FUBU, right? Um, And, um, you know, then I have the other type of uh, entrepreneurs that come up and say, you know, the sharks are a stepping stone in my life. And whether I get a deal or I do not get a deal, it doesn't matter that I'm going to still proceed and I'm going to be, I'm going to go out and find strategic partners and I'm going to go and leverage my assets and I'm going to use what I know how to do best. And those people don't use anything and those people don't have any resources. They don't take in capital too soon. And I love hearing the story about a, a kid that I met in a, in a, um, I think it was in a, in a a hotel where I came downstairs and, you know, I was talking to him. He wanted me to help him become a rapper. And I said, I can't really do that. I make t-shirts for a living. And I go outside to the valet and I go get my car and his car comes around and his car is more expensive than mine. So I look at the kid and I say, you know, you look like you're really doing well as a rapper. He says, no, I'm a, I'm a fine painter. I paint him, but I have a hundred thousand people that follow me on Instagram. And every single Monday I paint a white shirt on Instagram. I, you know, I time lapse it. And I tell people, you can only get this shirt for the next 24 hours is $50. You buy one, you buy 50, you buy 100. It doesn't matter how many you buy, but you're only going to see it for the next 24 hours. It's only available for the next 24 hours. Everybody that likes the shirt, they prepay for the shirt. He takes their money over to the screen printer on Tuesday, and then he copies the amount of screens that are needed, and he sells them. Uh, he, he mails them out on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he does it all over again every single Monday. Now, I asked the kid, how much did he do in business this year? And he, he did about $1.2 million out of his living room. Now, this is not new to many people who are going to be there. And this is by far not new to you or Jay, uh, because there's nothing that we're going to create new in this world. Again, it's a, just a new form of delivery, because what is he doing? He's converting half of 1% of his customers every single week. It's nothing that you guys haven't been doing for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But what he's doing is in a new sense because he doesn't have inventory. And think about it. When I would sell a shirt to Macy's, I make the shirt for 10. I sell it to the Macy's for 20. They sell it for 40. If they don't sell enough, they then reduce the cost of it. I have to guarantee the margin and give them the rest of the money. And then I have to take the shirts back and sell it to Burlington. And you find it in a bucket with a bunch of sneakers for $3 in Burlington Coat Factory. This kid is making it at 10 He's selling it directly at full margin to his customer at 40. He knows his customer's size because they've been buying it for quite some time. So he gets a low percentage of returns. He upsells his customer. He knows who's buying it or why they didn't buy it. When, it, when a person bought my shirt at Macy's, did they buy it for their sister? Did they buy it for their husband? Or was it for themselves? Why did they not buy it? Did the kid ever take it out of the back, out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the, uh, the closet and put it on the rack? Did he put it next to some matching colored sneakers? So what I realized is this kid out of his home had zero. He used his talent on Instagram and Twitter and whatever the, whatever the outlet is to do that with zero. And I, so I interviewed people such as him all the way up to Kevin Plank, who has Under Armour, who, who uh, you know, didn't have enough money to cross a toll to, to, to pay for, um, 
to pay to go over a toll when he was starting Under Armour, so he got a ticket, and now he's doing, you know, five billion dollars in revenue annually. And I and I showed a lot of examples, even social media kids, and even uh, famed um, DJ now Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki is the guy. Uh, Steve Aoki's dad created Benny Hanna. So the, so having money was actually against him because when he moved over to New York and he was this Japanese kid who is uh, and who for, who for those who do not know Steve Aoki, he has a he has something a movie out called I'll, I'll Sleep When I Die. He's the most touringest DJ. He does 300 dates a year everywhere from India to Taipei all the way to New York and L.A. When he went to uh, New York to perform, they said, "Get out of here!" You know, when he was downtown, they said, "Get out of here, you little rich kid. You can't you can't uh, you can't perform down here." So money worked against him. When he went to his father to, uh, you know, to, to tell him he's going to play music, his father said, uh, I'm a World War II veteran. I, I work very hard. If you're not picking up a brick or building something over here, you're not worth anything. Get out of here. So he was not accepted. And money worked against him. But he ended up, you know, creating this culture around him and utilizing the power of broke by going onto those streets and creating these little events and parties where he had no money because his father wouldn't give him money and the cool kids wouldn't accept him. So to sum it up, the power of broke is how you tap into any and all resources that you, that you have available from you. And I try to put myself in the book as well because I didn't have any resources when I was growing up. I, uh, I'm dyslexic. I got left back. My parents got divorced. I never went to college. I didn't know anybody with any money. Uh, you know, I don't have a famous last name. Well, I do have a famous last name, but if I call Elton John and tell him I'm his son, you know, he probably wouldn't believe me for various different reasons. So... <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's because I'm black, well, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah, it's hard to hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and that's the theory of power broke. And I and I interviewed um, uh, Jay and fourteen other really amazing people for all walks of life because somebody said, well, it, it works if you over here, or it doesn't work in this industry. I wanted to keep hammering it home. And generational wealth, as we all know, disapp- disappears uh, two generations afterwards. And, uh, you know, we've all seen it. A lot of winners and, and athletes, uh, they say um, uh, over 65% of them are bankrupt three years either after winning the lottery or after uh, getting out of the league. Uh, so that means that the tool of money is something that they have not learned to master. Uh, and, and that's why I came up with the power of broke. Yeah, yeah. And I will say before Jay says something is that even the title, the power of broke, if you just want to, you know, people say, well, yeah, it's a good title. And, you know, want to obviously sell books and all that. And it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, anyone that writes a book, what you want to obviously put it in the hands of, of people, mm-hmm. especially if it's, you know, useful and can change their lives with this book can't. It's the fact is there is a it's a mindset. I mean, like what you actually teach in the book is that, you know, even if someone is super successful, and runs a multi-million dollar company, there is so much value in this book, if nothing more than just a reminder of what probably helped you, you know, get there in the first place. But seeing all of these different individuals and how they did it and, and their strategies is definitely something anyone at any stage in business uh, could benefit from. I mean, you even look at what I said earlier, where how I said I give money in tranches. When I first gave money in 200, 400, 500, I wasn't activating the power broke. And ever since I started to uh, you know, give money in tranches, my portfolio have doubled in regards to profits because I either cut my losses at an early stage or had a way to, you know, really cut the downside, or I infused the capital for the right reasons and made the entrepreneur work harder. So it just really was. I was giving away. I'm giving away, or I'm not giving, but I'm investing the same amount of money. 
but it's the mind frame of how I'm putting the money in that creates the discipline and the discipline creates the revenue and the revenue creates the profit. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jay, you want to talk about your section of the book? I will. Do I want to? No, but I will. <laughs> but before I got to make a, a little intervention and make a point that's quite profound, what I love about Damon's book, and he interviewed me and I really wasn't prepared that he would actually include it in the book. So I was very flattered, but that's not what I want to talk about first. What's wonderful about this book and why I am such a strong advocate is it's not just stories. There are masterful and pretty deep, penetrating, illustrative, and highly dimensionalized uh, case studies. But Damon did something quite wonderful at the end of a chapter or of a tranche, because they're different aggregations, he clearly and specifically explains what the lesson is there. It's not like you have to figure out what are they really saying. He goes into the very, very specific benefit of saying, here's what you should have gotten from that strategy. Then at the end, he goes through and reviews all the strategies and helps someone reading it figure out which one or ones are most appropriate and what to do first and second. And that's what makes the book so powerful. Now, as far as I'm, I'm I was humbled. I was flattered. I think, and it's, I'm going to say it in like three minutes. I think what Damon might find interesting about me is that I've had to learn in my life three things. One, how to make everything everybody does, everyone who does it, the markets they do it to, the resources they use perform many times better for no extra cost, time, people. And that's probably a pretty unique skill set. Secondly, in the earlier stages of my life, I had two different parallel universes. One, nobody gave me a salary job. I had to basically sort of, I hate the word eat what you kill, but you only eat if you earn and you figure out what what works and what doesn't and what works infinitely better. And you become very inculcated into what I'll call optimization. Then most of the people I helped didn't have resources and I had to be outrageously resourceful. And like ICOT, we got them $25 million worth of marketing for nothing. And, and, and we, you know, I've just done a multitude of things. And I think uh, lastly is that I have seen many, 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 many higher performing options, opportunities, approaches, and most people don't know that. And somewhere in that, you know, in that seemingly convoluted ball of uh, string, I think Damon saw something that he liked and I was flattered that he focused on it. So that, that's probably it. Well, no, that, that's great. And let me mention something to uh, what's at least on my mind based on what both of you have said. What I love about Damon's book is it also reminds me of the driver that helped me when I was a dead broke carpet cleaner living off credit cards. You know what I mean? When people ask me, so what's your story? I'm like, well, you know, how'd you get in the marketing? It's like, it was accidental. I never thought I would teach people this. I never thought I'd write, you know, my new book, we're actually going to be hand, handing out the first copy of my new marketing book uh, at this annual event. And, you know, the funny thing is that I 
never thought I would do what I do for a living today. Genius Network, uh, Piranha Marketing, uh, my marketing podcast, all the stuff. It's all, it's all accidental. And it, it all came out of the power of, of broke. I mean, that sort of mindset. Because when I was living off credit cards, I didn't want to go work for anyone. But damn it, I didn't know what it is. Uh, I, I studied marketing because I needed to eat. I needed to survive. And there, one of the things that, that I have always admired about myself and I look for in other people is resourcefulness, like you mentioned, Jay, which the, the book, The Power of Broke, is many examples of, of resourcefulness and simply no entitlement. I never had an entitlement attitude where someone just should give me something just because I want it. I mean, anything that came to me, I had to go out and create value first in order to do that. And my, and my dear friend, Dan Sullivan, has really helped reinforce that, that sort of mindset. And given the choice of eating or starving, most people won't starve unless they don't have any capabilities. So it's one thing with the power of broke, teaching people and showing people examples of how others do it, but in instilling strategy and still so it's not just oh you know when you're when you're in this state it's it's going to evoke things in you that probably will not come out i mean just like you're saying damon if you just give someone five hundred thousand dollars up front you know it's like the value of any service you provide diminishes rapidly once it's provided and so having people have to earn it is critical and you went through a stage of learning that and you financed it with your own money not money that you were blessed with it was i mean in order for you to be a shark yeah. you had to freaking go through so much shit in order to actually learn how to make a business work and go through the ropes and all of that stuff and Absolutely. that in and of itself it is totally admirable and people that are out there trying to bumble their way through life and figure out how do i do this when they can pick up a book that has your life experience in it that will only cost them a, like a tiny amount of money and a few hours could literally save them, you know, not only decades of their life, it can make the difference between, you know, succeeding or not. And, it, and, and that's why I take this sort of stuff so seriously. This is much different than, you know, reading, um, you know, a coloring book. I mean, there's, there's just different things that different books will do for you. So I guess you don't really read coloring books. That was like a stupid analogy. But uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, I hate to be. Uh, well, I probably don't hate to be. But no, you don't. Just don't have to say, right. say whatever you want to so say. So there's there's a point I have to make, and and I've read, endorsed, uh, written a lot of books. So what I think is very important. I did one time. I did a ten minute talk for you. Very difficult for me because I can't do ten minutes. But the topic was on thinking differently because you can't achieve the greatness you want certainly for yourself, but for others, which is the only way you're going to get it for yourself without approaching it differently than everybody else. And I think what is very profound about this book, irrespective of whether you are broke, irrespective of whether you're rolling in prosperity, is it gives you 15 distinctive ways about yourself, your business, your market, things you can do and add that can add exponential impact. I think that book is universal, and I want to make that point because I've been a very staunch advocate of that book, and I would be even if I wasn't included in it, but it's certainly flattering to me. But I think that book gives creative seeds of realization to anybody, whether they are an entrepreneur, whether they are a manager, whether they are a young adult getting started. I just think it's got so much 
very, very straightforward, dimensionally evident, and very clearly expressed instruction on thinking differently. And I'm a, I'm a, anything I want to be known for in my life, it's teaching people to think differently. So that's all I want to say. Perfect. Love it. So here's what I'd like to do. I'll just ask you guys a couple more questions in order to set the stage for all of the Genius Network members that are uh, going to be coming to this, uh, this half-day event that we'll be doing on October 5th. And for people that cannot make it, uh, for Genius Network members, I will get you a recording of this session that we're going to do because I know it's going to be awesome. So the people that are attending, I want to make sure that they are uh, come into this prepared so that, again, is the juice worth a squeeze So it, for all of us. And I, and I really want to say this, based on everything we just talked about with Damon's book, um, there are many people in Genius Network write books, and, and certainly most people that, that I know that especially are, are coming to uh, you know meet, learn, uh, build, grow their businesses, probably have more books uh, than they could ever consume. And, you know, it's, and, and I, I did this great interview with one of our genius network members, Mike Agrilero uh, is ha- very hard to pronounce his last name. Uh, and he been, said, you know, he, a great, yeah, great guy. And it, exactly. He, he donated, uh, he contributed uh, $15,000 to JoeVolunteer.com. And me and UJ did a day of consulting with him, which was so nice on your part to, to do that. And I so appreciate that. And what, what he said is like, if you have so much information, so many books, you just simply need to ask yourself the question, what needs solved right now? It's just a great process of, you know, when you're consuming everything and you just like, should I read this book? Should I go to this seminar? Should I talk to this person? Ask yourself what needs solved right now and go in and read and learn what needs solved right now. So I want people to come into this event with Jay and Damon uh, thinking, what do I need solved? Because I can guarantee they can help direct you in that way. And this book, The Power of Broke, if you're someone that has a big following and a large list, Genius Network members have helped make other members' books New York Times bestsellers. We did it with Ariana Huffington. We did it with Peter Diamandis, uh, very instrumental with, uh, with um, uh, Tony Robbins. I mean, you know, guys like Robin Sharma, who's one of our Genius Network members, has sold millions of books, and he you know, is fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of people in the group that have the ability to share this message. So if you're someone where you think what you've already heard from Damon and what you'll hear at the event that you'd like to, you know, mail his book to a lot of your clients, I would love that. And and by the way, this is not an affiliate pitch. Damon's not paying me. It's none of that. We just want to share this information uh, with people and and vice versa. So if if anyone uh, would like to do that, talk to to Jay and Damon uh, at the event. All right. So having said that, uh, since we're going to do a half-day session, a bonus session on October 5th at the uh, the event with both of you, Jay and Damon, let me ask you both, uh, or, or start with you, Jay, um, and these could be short answers. What will you be sharing, or what is the best way for members to prepare to get the most out of it? I gave my perspective. I'd like to hear yours. What I would prefer them to do is get clarity on what the real issues are that I mean, we have a belief that everybody is stuck in their business and they don't even know it. And you can be successfully stuck. Uh, That document, I think, is worth reading whether they answer it or not. I think the key, I mean, I'm most valuable when you, you, you pose to me a clarified question that doesn't require me to, uh, you know, to do excavation to try to get context. If you can pose to me, 
a very specific question that is high impact. It's a it's a waste, and this is not arrogant. It's a waste to ask me a little tactical question. It's very valuable to ask me a big strategy, uh, or marketing, or revenue, or model question. If you can pose it very clearly, so I don't have to spend ten minutes trying to figure out what the heck you're saying and what the implication is. So I try to get people because I'm I'm not as gentle as other people. I want to know what's the business, what's the problem, how you're doing it, who you're doing to, how it's performing, uh, what you're trying to do, and I want you to be clear enough because if you don't know the questions you're trying to solve, you can't solve them. So bring me great questions at a high enough level of impact that we could make profound difference, and I will be thrilled to do everything in my power to clearly address them, not just abstractly, but complete with enormous context of what to do, why to do, and give you a reference scenario of how someone else did it so it'll be very clear to you and it'll be believable. That's about as clear as I can be. No, that's not only great advice for this day session, but just for the event in general and and honestly in all areas of life. So I I love it. Uh, David, anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can echo what Jay is saying, but also, you know, um, the beautiful part about being at the event is, you know, um, there are going to be some people there that are just, you know, uh, really, really high level marketers. And so I like having really open discussions. So there are going to be certain who, if you need to know from me, you know, where where are markets going that I see or trends and or very specific things on vetting and um some kind of financial products or strategies and going into to things like I can I can obviously give people that and because I because I, I see probably a year I probably see over uh, probably see I probably pitch over fifteen hundred times a year you know and real pitches where I go and in, into the companies and and dive deep into them so I can give people answers on that but more if it's not an area of expertise the beautiful thing about you know attending your event is i end up learning just as much as i i hopefully i can share with others so i'm open for very fluid conversations too um just not anything general you know when when people just go and say hey what do you think about my business here in general i mean i like jay saying i can't answer that it's going to take me you know an hour and a half to to get to the information that i need to even give you some kind of educated uh uh, you know, answers. So they have to either be very, very specific, or if it's an area that is not in my category and that we maybe will learn together and we'll have like a session like you and Jay and I are having right now. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So let me ask you uh, the final question because there's a lot more things I could ask you, but I also want to be uh, respectable of everyone's time. So what questions didn't I ask? Uh, that I should have asked uh, you both? And if you do have one, what would your answer have been? One of the hardest questions always are what keeps you up at night, probably. Um, I think that every every entrepreneur has a, a different answer and the same. Um, I, I, I may leave most of it for the day that we're there, but, you know, you know, like what keeps us up at night is how to progress in the business. But also, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the, the 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 biggest things that I realize that we all are doing here is either selling or selling somebody time or trying to save time. That's the most valuable asset that we all have. And as, I think the only thing that I can never answer because it always changes is when people say, how do I separate um, business from personal time, you know, from health and from family, from faith, all the way to business. How do we have that time and that balance? 
and I'm always looking for the answers. So um, that's one of the things that keep me up at night. Um, how do you how do you take yourself into where are you going 2020 and where are you going 2030? What is your projection, and how are you going to change as things are changing this fast? Because sooner or later, whatever business you're doing in the form you're doing it is going to be obsolete. So how are you going to move this, whether you're sharing information, whether you're sharing a service, or you're sharing a product, how are you going to move it into 2020 and 2030, and how are you going in and being more on the offense than on defense? How are you going in your company and or your business every day and not just putting out fires, but using that percentage of time that you can use to create an offense? And those, those are probably the things that we haven't touched on, but I'm sure we can touch on that day. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Uh, that's great. Uh, Jay? Well, I think that, uh, and by the way, I'm going to give you a plug because you know I've been a great advocate, champion, and admirer of what you've created. And what I like about it most is the humility and the collaborative, uh, un, unhedged uh, observation I've seen that people make to one another for the betterment of each other. And that impresses the, the just the bigollies out of me. So, the one thing I would like people to know, and you should have asked, but it's not not out of critical, is what more than anything else do you want people to know about their business? And the answer is that there is virtually, and I know you have some masterful and and huge marketers that are probably much wealthier and successful than I am, but I'm going to tell you this clinically. And, 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 and I have the background to be able to support it, not just me, but all the different organizations I've helped who dealt in variability and, and performance enhancement. There is no business anywhere that doesn't have a multitude of elements, processes, distinctions, revenue, brand, uh, market, marketing, elements that can't be made to perform better ethically. And the thing that I learned and I think is so profound is if you can identify 20 elements of a business and they can each be increased a modest amount, although some could be increased a profound amount, the aggregate 10%, 10%, 10% is not 10%, becomes 400%. And the profit dynamic is amazing and there's just a lot more you can do with whatever you've got that's all yeah just like your book you know how to get the most out of everything you got and i think uh, that will definitely be uh happening at not only the genius network event but our but our half day event so I'll way, ask your book you guys is cool you know, too. Your book is cool too. Well, no, thank you. And I mean, I now, I now have, uh, yeah. Everyone's, uh, if anyone's going to be wondering, you know, how do I do marketing? How do we create? You know, a big premise of my book is what I call, you know, how to develop an elf business, how to have a business that's easy, lucrative, and fun versus hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating, or hard, annoying, lucrative, and frustrating. And I also preface the book with saying anything that ever becomes elf is probably not going to be very easy in the beginning. I mean, you're probably going to have to go through uh, some pain and you're, you're going to have to figure things out like we all have. However, uh, just having unnecessary pain that could be eliminated uh, because of what you can learn and uh, or knowing what to drop. I mean, one of the, as you both know very well, uh, one of the best ways to, uh, to, 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 to get what you want done is knowing how to eliminate everything that is 
you know, preventing you from doing that. So people's not to do list are, are more important than their damn to do list. So my, my marketing book will be available there too. Cause at the end of the day, I want people to come to this event and I want them to leave with uh, not only great connections, great relationships, but a hell of a lot more capabilities. And when you spend the half day with, uh, with me, uh, pretty much hosting uh, Damon and Jay, you're going to walk out of there with a hell of a lot of, of business capabilities, a lot of perspective. And I, and I want it to not only be a game changer for everyone, I want Jay and Damon to really feel this was time well spent and that they enjoyed it and that, you know, it was, it was impactful, not only for the, for you as someone attending uh, genius network, but also for, for them. And so I want this to be a total win-win for everybody and then we all are happier. So um, for people that are not coming to the event uh, that are Genius Network members, or there's a handful because of, you know, daughters or sons getting married, we have a couple of those, uh, or something that they cannot travel, we will get you a copy of the the, uh, the recordings of this half-day session with, with uh, Jay and Damon. And for people that uh, would like to find further information out about both of you other than read Damon's book is a great place. Read one of Jay's book is a great place. If you guys want to give out any websites or anything where people can go deeper on what both of you are doing, uh, what would be the best places to do that? And then we'll, we'll wrap up this great conversation. Sure. You can find me on any of the social media platforms at uh, the shark Damon, uh, the shark Damon. My name is spelled like Damon, uh, like Raymond with a D. And uh, also, I have a DamonJohn.com. Perfect. And you, Jay, you have Abraham.com and anything yeah, else? If you want, if you want uh, we have a lot of very, I think, uh, impressive and eclectic things. And we just, we try to be benefactors. We don't even ask for opt-ins. So if they go to Abraham.com, it's cool. But there's a, a separate dimension that's very provocative. And it's Abraham.com. And then you do a slash, the number 50 and shades and it's it's quite it's quite uh it's quite eclectic but sure and that's great there's a lot of good stuff and you don't even have to give us an opt-in but joe thank you you're a great interviewer <laughs> yes absolutely well uh, thank you both and and that that also helps with having great people to actually interview and you know what we're going to touch on this one i am looking down at my notes and i didn't ask you damon about the president's council I'd like you to go deeper into that when we actually meet, but you're, 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 what are you doing there? We'll just give people a sneak peek and then you can kind of go into it because I think a lot of people would be like, wow, that'd be pretty cool. So what, what are you doing? Sure. There? I've been appointed by the president to become uh, a paid ambassador, this presidential ambassador for global entrepreneurship. And uh, the reason why the president appointed myself as well as about uh, 20 other individuals, um, Brian Chesky from Air, Airbnb, uh, Steve Case, uh, Tory Burch and and a couple out there uh, is because uh, he wanted to try to bring entrepreneurship into the White House so we can you know not be stuck by bureaucracy and things of that nature and and bring private sector uh, to, of of uh, entrepreneurship and the thought process that we have to the White House and our job is threefold. Uh, one thing we domestically and abroad, our job is to go out and educate people and empower them on on the fact that they can become entrepreneurs. Number two, we have to show people how to get access to capital. And you would think, you know, like like power broke people, uh, you know, sometimes think capital is a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, and it's not. Sometimes it's uh, micro lending in you know, in in Egypt where somebody needs you know. $70, right? And and number three is show people how to scale. 
the reason why the president wants this to happen and has been uh, really a proponent behind it is because uh, the reality is, is when somebody is in, uh, say, Kenya and they need $20 a week to run the house and pay the bills and keep the lights on, if they don't have that money and if a man or a woman can't feed their family, then there are a lot of people out there in the world who will prey upon this, the fact that they don't have hope, and they'll tell them to go pick up a gun or carry a bomb or or give them this vital information to something, and it is uh, it is threatening, you know, our safety on a global scale. But when people do have just a couple of dollars and they know they can get the basics, the fundamentals of what they need to run their life, then they will not go out and do those things. So whether it's in Kenya, Nairobi, or whether it's in Compton, you know, where somebody's asked why to wear a color to do something, it's not in the best interest. And entrepreneurship is, of course, infectious and it's very empowering. So I am... Um, I, I joined the president uh, in Nairobi, and I also went with him to Cuba, where this, you know, this obviously this country that has been uh, challenged for many, many years are now starting to understand the value of entrepreneurship. And Airbnb just opened up 4,000 uh, hosts in Cuba, and um, uh, Carnival Cruise Line just opened up the port in Cuba. And if you really think about it, Cubans only have probably about 5% of Cubans have access to the Internet. And now I think it's grown over to now 12%. So... So we're just, uh, you know, that's our job as entrepreneurs, and it's really amazing. If you you would have never thought a little, a little brown boy from Queens would be uh, <laughs> hanging out with the president of the United States, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> and you know, and and hopefully my my other entrepreneurs listening to this, and um, you know, we we often are not celebrated for all the hard work we do, and we're so busy, you know, trying to solve problems, and we don't take some time, uh, you know, to sit back and understand, you know, the the power that we have when we, you know, when we just hire that one other person and they get to, you know, raise their family and, and do things of that nature. So it, it's really empowering and it's, and, and it's a celebration. I think of all of us, if I can make it there and, and, and work with the president in the white house. That's fantastic. Uh, love it. Well, so that'll give everyone even more perspective of the, uh, from the, uh, uh, from the vantage point that you have coming to you with, uh, with Damon and Jay. So thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. And for all of our listeners, if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, the, if you want more details about just the lineup, uh, this is going out to people that are obviously already registered for the event. Like I'd mentioned earlier, the main ballroom is completely sold out. Uh, at the time that we're actually recording this, there's maybe 10 spots left in the Genius Lounge, which is where we live cast it into there. Then this this event will be sold out and we will be completely turning people away uh, like we did last year uh, for you know $10,000 a person. So this is a very high level event and you're going to be surrounded by very smart entrepreneurs. And this is a very special session that we're doing with Jay and Damon. So uh, the, the website is GeniusNetworkEvents.com if you want to, to get the latest lineup of everyone that you're going to be uh, seeing and, and, and learning from. And if you have any questions about the event with Jay and uh, and Damon, then make sure you just ask any of my team. Uh, you can call my office. JoePolish.com has all of our contact info there. And uh, really look forward to seeing everyone there. So again, thank you, Jay, and thank you, Damon. Thank you. Thank Joe. you, guys. Really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Love Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Genius Network annual event, go to GeniusNetworkEvents.com. That's GeniusNetworkEvents.com. If you would like access to the full presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash power. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash power. 